Hello. There it is. <laughs> okay, we're starting with Deuteronomy, with scripture from the law. Deuteronomy 6, 4 to 8. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be frontlets between your eyes. The second scripture comes from Proverbs on page 554 and is from the wisdom literature of the Bible. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. And our third scripture is from Ephesians on page 979. Some very practical advice from the Apostle Paul. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Michelle. Well, I haven't had an opportunity to welcome you. Welcome, and I'm glad to see you this morning. When we kick off our fall schedule with uh, two services and Sunday school in between, it's a special day in life of the church. If you weren't here during the Sunday school hour, you might have missed out that today is, uh, was titled uh, Parent Summit. It's an opportunity for our parents from kindergarten all the way through high school uh, with kids of, of that age to come and to meet with our volunteer leaders and teachers and to really talk about uh, those things most important here at the church uh, in the lives of these young people. And so uh, the parents for K to 5th met in the Fellowship Hall, junior and senior high age parent, uh, parents of teens and preteens met downstairs. And then Ryan and I uh, and a few uh, daring adults stayed in here in the sanctuary with all of the children and all of the youth. And we had a really, really fun time. You're exa- he's exhausted, I'm exhausted. Uh, Ryan spent time for about 20 minutes with the students in the back after we sang, and I spent time uh, with the children walking through everything that happens from the prelude all the way to the benediction. And it's amazing how much our kids are listening. In fact, I asked them, uh, what's the longest you think you can pay attention during a sermon? Raise your hand. I said, can you pay attention for a minute, two minutes? And we kept going. We got to 30 minutes, friends. So... <laughs> Uh, this is not a 30-minute sermon, but that was pretty good. That was pretty good. Let's, let's pray. Oh, Father in heaven, as our choir just sang, happy the home where prayer is heard and praise is everywhere, where parents love the sacred word and its true wisdom share. And so, Lord, we pray that uh, this, this time in your word, Lord, would be uh, evident in our lives that we would have happy homes, that we'd pray that blessing into one another's homes, to our neighbors' homes, Lord, that there would be praise everywhere, and Lord, that we would, uh, together as a church family, listen now for, for a word from you. I pray, Lord, that it's a word that you placed on my heart to speak this day on Parent Summit. Amen. Now, for those of us who 
might get distracted a little bit. We've done something a little different this morning. Open your bulletins and you'll notice where it says sermon notes. Normally that's a blank page. Uh, this morning it's fill in the blank. And so if that's an aid to you to follow along for the message, uh, I encourage you to take a pen or a pencil and fill in the blank and follow along. So fill in the blank. I am a, in regard to Parent Summit, I am a what? Parent, empty nester, grandparent. Are you an aunt or an uncle? Are you a step-parent, a godparent, a single person? Are you married with no kids, student, sibling, whatever it is, fill in the blank, and then answer for yourself, how would you define parenting? However you categorize yourself, whatever your experience, we all have a vested interest in the health of families and the next generation here at Nielsville. You see, children hold a very special place in God's kingdom. A very special place here in the life of Nielsville Presbyterian Church. Again, I asked the children um, how many of them could remember children's messages from last year and the year before and the year before that. And I was able to say with, with great certainty because I had the Veltices uh, saying that I could say this. In fact, before you were born, kids, the pastor was leading a children's message. For many, many years, this church is invested because we know children are special to God. And we believe the most essential aspect of a child's life is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that relationship starts at home before church. So our family ministries, which is the umbrella over children's ministry and youth ministry, our family ministry strategy is to unite the whole church family in a common effort to nurture children, prepare youth, and equip parents to disciple their kids. That's our strategy. Now, this morning's message is titled, Parental Guidance is Advised. It's intrinsically geared toward parents, but keep in mind, we are all members of this church family. And so we all together have a vested interest we all want to see our families succeed. The main point I want to lift up to you this morning is, is this. By God's design, parents have the greatest influence on the life expectancy of their children. And you can define that in more than one way. Life expectancy, certainly the length of, of one's life, but, but what can they expect out of this life? Parents have the greatest influence on a child's life expectancy. Proverbs 22, verse 6, train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. So the fact is, we know this to be true, that parents have the greatest influence on their kids' lives. By God's design, what a person can expect out of life depends to a large extent on those that raise them. Now, of course, there are exceptions. We can think of exceptions. There, there are good parents whose kids have every advantage and they grow up to make poor choices. 
And there are kids who overcome great adversity and trauma that inspire us all. But we are all invested in this process of of raising families up to the value that God places on them, on, on nurturing children. We're all invested in that. We're all invested in preparing our youth because we want the parents' work to succeed and parents want their own kids to succeed, of course. They want their kids to be successful, to do well, to live happy lives, to live lives filled with opportunity, unfettered uh, by problems. However success is defined, parents wish it for their children. Now, for Christians, Christians put at the top of the list the number one priority of a child's well-being and success, their relationship to Jesus Christ. We put that as number one on the list. Now, Andy said that you could win $500 if you memorize the short catechism. Okay, I'm not going to expect that any of us know that, but I bet you know question number one. What is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. As Christians, that's our number one priority for Christians A successful, happy life begins and ends with glorifying God and enjoying God forever, for all of life. And so we want more than anything, first and foremost, for our children to find saving faith in Jesus Christ. And everything else flows from that. If we, I'm speaking to fellow Christian parents, If we raise our children to pursue the world's definition of success, then we failed as parents. Michelle read from Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 to 4. If you were here last week, you know that we, we spoke of the fourth commandment. Here Paul refers to the fifth commandment, to honor your parents. And then Paul holds up a comment not only for parenting, but also for the children And so, child and parent need to hear this word. Life begins with salvation, and it ends in glory, and through it all, honor the Lord. Honor the Lord. So with that in mind, here are five characteristics that I've come up with describing a godly young person. Five characteristics of a godly young person, a a young person who honors the Lord. And, And this list isn't perfect, uh, it could be longer, it could be shorter, but this is what I've come up with, okay? Five C's, it'll be easy to fill in the blank. Number one, godly character would mean Christ-like character. Christ-like character. We want them to have the moral qualities distinctive to followers of Jesus Christ. Far more than being good men and women as important as that is and as good as that can be, but far more than that, we want them to be Christ-like, which means that they are maturing in Christ, that they are abiding in God's love, 1 John 4, 15. Christ-like character. Number two, that they would be a person of conviction. Conviction. Because you see, you can't uh, have godly character without firmly held beliefs. Otherwise, their character will only last as long as it's convenient or makes them happy. Does that make sense? 
Christ-like character, person of conviction. Number three, confidence. We want our daughters to be sure of themselves. We want our sons to be comfortable in their own skin. We want our young people, our young adults, to be, be, be confident in who they are in Christ. Number four, we want our young people to be compassionate. We want them to be compassionate, that they feel and show great concern for, for their neighbor and for the world around them. And, and our young people, I dare say, this generation is probably some of the most compassionate uh, of generations that we've had in quite some time because they're so wired in to knowing what's happening around the globe. But we want our kids here at Nielsville to be compassionate. And number five, competent. Competent in whatever God has given, whatever they are capable of, whatever they're called to, that they would do it and do it well to the glory of God. Now, here's the question. Parents, what is your child's life expectancy? And church, because it's our responsibility as well, what is their life expectancy growing up in our church? We share the responsibility of influencing children and youth in the way they should go. Now, years ago, I was a youth pastor, and then I was a pastor in Minneapolis, and I can honestly say I haven't heard this uh, here yet. Maybe saying it now, I won't have to hear it, but I heard it over many years, left me scratching my heads when I would hear parents say, I don't want to impose my faith on my child. You heard that sentiment? I, I don't want to impose my faith on my child. Now, on the one hand, I, I can see where they're coming from. We don't want to produce cookie-cutter Christian kids and, and kind of control them and tell them everything. But on the other hand, let's be frank, that's crazy talk. It's crazy talk to me. That's like saying, I don't want to impose my personal beliefs that snorting cocaine and running with scissors is a bad idea. I think kids should just figure that out on their own. Or that uh, eating healthy food and exercising and bathing once in a while is a good idea. You want your kids to just figure that out in first grade or in high school? No. No, of course not. Honoring God is not optional in a Christian home. Besides, you cannot impose your faith on your kids anyway because your child has free will. And saving faith comes only by work of the Holy Spirit. Should I say that again? Saving faith is only work of God. It's between their creator and the child. It's between God and that young person who you get to raise and spend a lot of money on for the first 18 to oh, 32 years of their life. And so we read uh, the Heidelberg Catechism, question number 86. And we said together, by our godly walk of life, we may win our neighbors for Christ. We could change the words and it could read, by our godly walk of life, we may win our children to Christ. Parents, that should be your prayer. It's my prayer for you. Okay, so what do kids need? This is going to go faster than you think. Six principles 
of wise parenting. Number one, kids need reliable protection. Proverbs 14, verse 26. He who fears the Lord has a secure fortress, and for his children it will be a refuge. That is a wonderful verse for you to, to write. Jot that down or circle it. If you're writing a note to a parent who's struggling, maybe a sibling or a neighbor struggling with, a, with, a, with a, a child, a young adult, a teen in their home, Proverbs 14, 26. Our kids need reliable protection. They can come from the Lord. Now, I'm not going to review all of the dangers that are lurking out there. I think most parents have a high degree of anxiety uh, for their kids' safety already, perhaps a bit too high. But wise parenting provides reliable protection from the world. Kids need to know that they're safe. And safety is our number one priority as a church. For both our children's ministry, for youth, for nursery, their safety. Safety of the kids when they're out and doing activities sponsored by the church or when they're here in the facilities or on the grounds, their safety is our first priority. So kids need reliable protection. Number two, kids need our loving presence. Circle that word presence. Kids need love naturally, but practically speaking, they need us to be present. Not helicopter parents. Have you heard about helicopter parents? Helicopter parents are those parents that are too extremely present in everything. I heard uh, on 60 Minutes once that uh, college professors and in employers were getting calls from parents saying, please change my son's grade, or can you ease up on my daughter? This is her first job. That's a helicopter parent. That is not wise parenting. But they need our loving presence. I read a study done by Harvard University, a 10-year study of the causes of young adult anger and self-abuse, particularly drug abuse. Do you want to know what the number one contributing factor to young people's uh, anger issues and abuse? It was, quote, perceived inaccessibility of one or both parents. Young people need you to be there, to show up, and the good news is, this is one where other adults can make a huge difference. So you see the references to, uh, to 2 Timothy 1.4. The Apostle Paul treated Timothy, his disciple, like a son. Timothy didn't know his dad. Paul was there and he says here, Timothy, I long to see you. I cannot wait to catch up and to see you. Other adults... The loving presence of teachers and coaches and, and youth leaders can make a very significant impact in kids' lives. Example number one are our youth leaders here at Mealsville, the, the Condricks, the Porters, the Bells, the Shoots, people that invest in our kids' lives. Number three, kids need our consistent correction. Not constant, don't write constant correction, Consistent correction. Proverbs 3, 12. Oh, we're doing all right. It says, The Lord corrects those he loves, just as the father corrects a child in whom he 
delights. Did you catch that? God delights in the child, and so God corrects the child. Kids need love, and love is complemented. In fact, it's improved by discipline. The Bible says we cannot love our kids without discipline. Proverbs takes this issue very seriously. Here's another one, Proverbs 19, verse 18. It says, discipline your son, for in that there is hope. Do not be a willing party to his death. Don't put that in a card to a neighboring parent who's struggling. Don't write that one. But pretty serious. The New Living Translation puts it this way. Discipline otherwise, you will ruin their lives. Kids need our consistent correction. Number four, kids need us to entrust them with responsibility. Proverbs has a lot to say also about slackers. And that was my generation. That's when that term was was coined of being the slacker generation. 10-4, lazy hands make a man poor, but diligent hands bring wealth. And so our kids need to learn about real life, real jobs, and that begins with real chores. A show of hands, how many of you, either growing up in your homes now, use allowances? You ever get an allowance when you were a kid? Or uh, raise your hand, or give them out at home? Really, just three people are raising their hands, or is everyone checked out? Okay. But Luke 16, verse 10. One who is faithful in a very little, Jesus says, is also faithful in much. And the one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. If your kids are being dishonest about their chores, it's something you need to correct now before the stakes are much higher. Number five, kids need us to affirm and value who they are becoming. And I love Psalm 139. It says, I praise you. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. He's praising God for both physically being made, spiritually, emotionally, in every way, thanking God. You don't have to be a Christian parent uh, to marvel at children. All parents marvel at this little being that's come into this life, this itty-bitty one that they see, these amazing changes. We, we revel in it. It's so wonderful to see those, those first steps, those, those milestones, everything captured on, on video. Something happens when that young person reaches about preteen age, doesn't it? They, they, they change. And some of us parents will say, who is that living in my house? And we get a little afraid and we wish maybe they could come back in five or six years when they figure out this whole hormone thing. Friends, we need to affirm, and as a church, we need to affirm and value who they are becoming. Young people want you to show genuine interest in their unique personality, their interests, their points of view. They want to be heard. They want to be respected. Not all kids are naturally bent the same way. Celebrate that. Affirm their uniqueness. Value who they are becoming. Show genuine interest and appreciation and listen to them. And that's a value that we have here at Nielsville, that we want to, to do that 
for our young people as well to listen, to value, and spend time learning from them. And then finally, number six, kids need all of us to be role models of faith. Deuteronomy 6 intrinsically is geared toward parents, just like this sermon. But Moses knew this. The people of God have always known this, that it's for the whole faith community, the whole church family to take this responsibility on. Every one of us is modeling to the children and the young people around us. And the reality is, we're all still growing in these five characteristics of godly people. We're all wrestling with life and faith issues. And, and the reality is that God may use a young person to encourage you in your faith. So you have to be on the lookout. It says, impress God's commandments on your children so it will go well for them. And then it says to tie them, tie the scriptures as symbols on their hands. That means faith in action. Bind them on your foreheads. That means keeping wisdom and the knowledge of God uh, in front of you and passing it on to the next generation. Parental guidance is advised. Young people need to see all of us love and serve Jesus Christ, love and serve one another, love and serve one another, and not compromise our character, convictions, confidence, compassion, or our competency in all the ways we're called to serve our King. Let's pray.